this morning. We're in the book of Philippians on Sunday morning, and we, we have been, and I thought I know today, of course, going into uh, this morning, I knew it'd be a little bit different this morning, uh, the present distress of what's going on these days, but uh, this is something the Lord put on my heart probably, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago, I know before the end of the year, and I put a message together and put it all together and was ready to preach it. And I don't know, I didn't. I ended up not preaching it for whatever reason. The Lord never gave me liberty to do it. And then I think I tried to preach it again. The Lord never gave me liberty to do it. And so uh, I was looking over my text for Philippians this morning. Well, this past week, I've, and I've been excited about preaching that great text. Man, I'm excited about getting into it. Maybe we'll, Lord will let us do it next Sunday, that verse 12 and 13 in Philippians 2. Man, that's, uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. And uh, i got to be careful because I don't want to switch over there. I've been, I, was looking at, I, I was looking at it again this morning. I said, Lord, I really I think I'd rather preach this. But, man, I could not get this psalm off of my heart. And so maybe somebody needs it. You're here this morning and you need it. Somebody listening and you need it. I know, maybe you say you don't need it this morning. I know you'll need it somewhere down the line. So let me give you a couple thoughts from this psalm here. Just a very, uh, just a very simple thought this morning, uh, very devotional, and uh, something that I hope will be a blessing to your heart and help you. And uh, we're going to read the entire psalm. Obviously, it's only eight verses long, and so we can do that together. It won't be very hard. Psalm 61, verse 1. Psalmist David said, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Now, I know as you've read through the Psalms or maybe, uh, maybe I heard, listened to preaching, I know you've heard this psalm preached because verse 2, there's a word in there that all of us have identified with at some point in time. And maybe you're there right now and it's right there in the middle of verse number 2 and it's the word overwhelmed. Do you see that word? David said, when my heart is overwhelmed. It's the only time in your Bible where you'll find the heart being overwhelmed. Many times it's the spirit being overwhelmed. Here, the psalmist said, the only time right here, Psalm 61, where he said, my heart is overwhelmed. When my heart is overwhelmed. So I just want to look at that word for a second and look at this psalm. And look at how the psalmist David dealt with that issue in his life and being that way and feeling that way. This situation, whatever the situation may have been, when he was overwhelmed. So I'm just going to title the message very simply. We'll just use that one word and use it as a title this morning. We're going to call the, we'll call the message Overwhelmed. And let's pray. Let's ask God to help us 
uh, when we're overwhelmed. Father, we love you. We're thankful for the privilege we have, Lord, to be in this place today. God, I pray that you would do a work that only you can do in our hearts. And Lord, you know what we stand in need of. Lord, I I don't even know. Lord, I I try to follow you. I want to be sensitive to you. But only you know every heart, every thought, every mind that's in this building today. Father, I pray that you would do the work that needs to be done. Encourage the saints of God that are in this place today, those that are listening. And God, I pray that you'd get all the glory for it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, how many of you know what it means to be? You don't even need a technical definition. Definition. You know what it means to be overwhelmed. Seems like everything's piling on you. Everything's uh, coming on you all at one time. It's a scary word, but it's a familiar word. All of us know what it's like to be right here. That's what I love about the Psalms. I love reading the Psalms because it shows us that. Uh, that it doesn't matter what century you're living in, what millennia you're living in, what testament you're living in, what dispensation you're living in, human emotion, human feelings they really don't change much. I mean, this is uh, thousands of 4,000 years ago or so, 3,000 years ago. It really doesn't change that much. Uh, Psalmist David knew what it was like to be discouraged, to be depressed, uh, to be anxious, to be fearful, to be even, as he says it here, to be overwhelmed. That word, if you look it up, here's what it literally means though. The idea of that word is this. It means to cover with a sheet, to be covered over. It's like to block out the light, to be in darkness, to be totally enclosed. That's what that word overwhelmed means. It means for something to come upon you. Uh, a lot of times you'll see the word overwhelmed. A few times in the Bible it's used in the context of waters. They'll talk about the waters overwhelmed me or the waters came over me. And so it literally means it's almost like it's almost like to be baptized in something, to be immersed in it, completely surrounded by it, enclosed by it, to be overwhelmed. Now we don't know what the psalmist David was going through at this time. Some Bible uh, students believe that this psalm was written during the time when uh, Absalom had uh, had uh, usurped authority and, and, and taken over the throne. David he wouldn't fight his own son. He wouldn't fight back. He wouldn't try to he wouldn't try to uh, uh, take it back. But instead, he just left. He, he left and he left Jerusalem and and. Uh, and said, if he wants it, he can have it, and uh, and he left. But it was it had to have been. Can you imagine? Uh, it's not just anybody taking your throne. It's not just anybody undermining you. It's not just anybody betraying you. It's your boy. It's your son, flesh and blood. I, if if that's what was going on when this psalm was written, then I, I can definitely see where David would be overwhelmed, right? There's no light. There's no hope. I don't know what I'm going to do. I I don't know how things are going to get better. I don't know how anything could possibly get any worse. He's just covered up with trouble. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen, I know we're in a new year and uh, man, maybe we're supposed to be encouraging about, you know, hey, let's look toward a new year and and let's get excited about it. But I'm going to be honest, just because the calendar rolls over to January 1, that doesn't mean all your troubles go away. Okay? And uh, listen, We've been through some hard times with all the the present distress of society and everything that's going on with the COVID and all kind of stuff. We've been through some tough times around the church. I'd be lying if I looked at everybody this morning that's here and said, "Look, it's going to get better. This year is our year. This is our breakthrough year. This is when we're going to." Now that's what all the health, wealth, and prosperity preachers are preaching, but they preach that in 2020. 
And then they preached it in 2021, and then no doubt they're preaching it again. But listen, they're always wrong. This could be the worst year we've ever had. God bless you. Thanks for coming this morning. Amen. Thanks for coming to church. You, re- you made the effort to get here to church when some other people uh, wasn't able to, and, and, and you just got discouraged right there. Amen. God bless you. I pre- I'll sign your Bible after church if you want me to. All right. Listen, it, it might, I don't know. I, I have no idea, but I know that there were things that were overwhelming me last year, and just because the calendar turned over doesn't mean them things just poof went away. I know we like to think new slate and new thing and all that, and I, and I get you. I put up a new calendar on the wall. I don't know why, but I put up a new calendar on the wall and changed it out uh, a day or so ago, and, uh, man, it's clean. Ain't nothing on it. Clean slate. And I thought, man, what potential. What, what, great, what great things could happen this year. And then, of course, the pessimistic side of me took over. But anyway, we won't talk about that. But there's going to be, I know, maybe you brought some things into this year. You're still overwhelmed. Just because the calendar turned January 1 don't mean everything went away. There's going to be times where we'll get overwhelmed and the troubles just seem to pile on and that cover comes over us and it looks like we can't see the blessings. All we can see is just darkness all around us, overwhelmed. That's where David was when he penned this psalm. No hope. Uh, Give up. Just feeling numb. Uh, it's not even over being overwhelmed. It's not even necessarily a depressing kind of feeling. David had those. He expressed those in some of the Psalms. Psalm 42 is one you could read about that. I read that this morning. But, uh, but it's just, just, uh, just being just overtaken. Don't feel like going on anymore. And I'm so thankful for these Psalms because it shows us how David copes with it. And that's how most of the Psalms go. If you'll notice most of the Psalms, it starts with, trouble and then there's a prayer there's the problem there's the prayer there's the power of God and then there's the praise right you praise God but every psalm can be outlined about like that this one's really not much different than your typical psalms but David shows us how to how to cope and carry on even on bad days. He says in verse number 1, he said, Hear my cry, O God, and tend to my prayer. This isn't my first point just yet, but I thought about this. I thought David, when he was overwhelmed, what did he do? He went to God. He prayed about it. Man, I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm tempted when things are overwhelming me. I'm, I'm tempted to, to uh, just, uh, just get inward and, and, and just uh, a lot of introspection and, 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 and run to other things other than God. But he never stopped calling out to God. I'm going to tell you what, always run to God with your problems. Always, always. Don't run from God, run to God. Don't be scared of God. Don't be afraid of God. Run to God when things are overwhelming you. Here's what David did when he was overwhelmed. I got five things just real quick, all right? Five things um, that I see in this psalm. And I really am going to just hit them real quick. All right, number one, let me say this. Number one, when David felt overwhelmed, number one, uh, he recognized his condition. He recognized his condition. Now, this is real important. Notice, notice with me. How many of y'all still with me say amen? All right, you're doing good. You're doing great, I promise. I'm just making sure, all right? Uh, He recognized his condition. David realized he was in bad shape. Notice in verse number two, I know this is simple and this is very obvious, but he said, first he asked God to hear his prayer. He said, I'm going to come to you with my problems. He said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It's just amazing to me that David was able to, to recognize his own condition. You know, sometimes talking about our heart being overwhelmed. You know, our heart's desperately wicked. It's deceitful. Sometimes we don't know our heart. 
Uh, sometimes we don't know what's going on. Sometimes we have trouble admitting and being honest and just say, look, man, I'm at my wit's end. Man, I'm overwhelmed right now. I don't know about you, but there's like a tough guy inside of me somewhere. I know you can't see him on the outside, but he's on the inside somewhere. And I just, man, I think, man, I can handle it all. I can handle everything. I got this. I got this. I can handle it. Anybody ever like that? I got it. Us guys, I don't, I, and, and um, there's women that are tougher than us guys, but especially us men, man, we like, to, we like to think that we're tough. You know, we like to think that we can handle it all. We got the shoulders of, you know, like, uh, what's the guy's name? Had the world on his show, Atlas or whatever. You know, we just, we just carry it all. You know, we just got it all and we can take care of it. But I'm t- let me show you something about David here. He recognized that he was in a place I'm going to make up a word here of over, overwhelmedness, okay? He was in a place where he was just he he didn't have it all together. He was in a, a rough spot. He didn't know what to do. And here's what is here's what's amazing to me about David here. Notice this. He 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 makes a request to God. Do you see that in verse number 2? He said, "When my heart is overwhelmed." And here's the request that he makes. He said, "Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. There's some honesty in that request. Sometimes pride will keep you from prayer, keep you from praying, keep you from requesting things. You think, well, I don't need it. But here's what, notice, here's what David noticed, and here's what we need to notice about it as well, is that there's honesty in, in, in this request. Here's what he said. He said, God, when I'm in this place, when I feel overwhelmed and I don't know what to do, he said, I recognize, Father, that I need your leadership. God, I need you to lead me. I need you. Here's, and when you say to somebody, I need you to lead me, here's what you're admitting in that. You're saying, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. When, so when you need leadership, you know what that means? It means you don't know the way. If you got a GPS, I mean, use that GPS on your phone or something to go somewhere. That's leadership. You know what that means? When you put that in there, you punch that in there and, and click go or whatever, you know what that means? It means I don't know the way to go. I need help. I need somebody that here's where I know where I need to get and I know where I'm at, but I don't know how to get there. I need somebody to lead me. I need somebody to take me. I need leadership. David said, I'm way down here. I'm under a load. I'm covered up. He said, I know I need to get up here. I know there's a higher place. I know there's higher ground. I know that I need to get higher than where I'm at. I need need that rock that's higher than I am. He said, but I don't know how to get there. God, I'm going to need you to come to where I'm at and I'm going to need you to take me by the hand and I'm going to need you to lead me so I can get to where I'm supposed to go. Now that takes honesty to admit that. Amen. Some of us, we're going to sit around being overwhelmed all the time because we're not willing to admit what David did. We're not willing to request what David did. Now I'm going to tell you, what, what good father, when their child requests leadership, what good father wouldn't step in and provide it? You better believe when, when, when his child cries out, you cry out to God, say, God, that's what David's doing. He's crying out. That's what, that's what word he uses in verse 2. I cry out uh, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. This is a child crying to his father, and he says, Father, I need you. I need your leadership. I tell you what, when a child cries out to his father, when a child of God cries out to God the Father over those things, I promise you, he will move and he will give you leadership. Amen. He'll lead you and he'll get you where you need to do, where you need to go. But I'm gonna tell you something. You gotta admit it first. You gotta recognize that you need it. Amen. 
he recognized that he could not trust his own feelings. He recognized that in this overwhelmed place that he was covered up and in darkness and he couldn't see what he was supposed to see. He couldn't do what he was supposed to do. He couldn't get on his own where he needed to get. And so he realized, God, I need you to lead me. I'm going to tell you something. When you're overwhelmed, listen, that is the worst time in the world to trust your feelings. I'm going to tell you something. When you're overwhelmed with, with life and things, your emotions... And your feelings, they will lead you astray. Amen. Don't trust your feelings. Listen, that's the, that's the worst advice. Follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. David said, my heart is overwhelmed. That's not what he needed leading him at that moment. He didn't need his heart leading him. He needed God's hand leading him at that moment. That's why I pray. Listen, don't trust your feelings. Recognize your feelings will deceive you and they will lead you astray in your emotions. That's why, you, that's why uh, uh, listen, the depressed times, down times, hard times, that's not times to be making big decisions. I promise you that. Because your feelings will lead you in a wrong direction many times. You need leadership that is detached from human emotion. And that can only be found in God. You need God. A lot of people, they're just spinning their tires. You know what it is to be stuck? Have you ever been stuck in mud? And you spin your tire. You know what that does? That, that, that makes it worse. You're just digging yourself a hole. You know what you need? You need somebody else to come and you need somebody else outside of your vehicle, outside of your, of your own, uh, your own uh, 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 situation. You need them to come and to hook up to you and to pull you out of where you're at. And that's exactly what God does. When you keep you know, hitting the gas and spinning your tires, you're just digging yourself a bigger hole. So what do you do when you're overwhelmed? Well, recognize where you're at. Call on God. And, 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 and realize that you need his leadership. Number two, not only he recognized his condition, but number two, he remembered his covering. He remembered his covering. Look at verse number three. He said, For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. You know what he said right there? He said, Thou hast been. He's talking about past days. He's remembering days gone by and he's remembering all the times that he had been in situations before. You see, this wasn't David's first rodeo, all right? This wasn't David's first experience. He knew what it was like. If this was while he was on the run uh, from Absalom, well, he already knew what it was like to be on the run. He had ran from Saul and he had been hunted by Saul and uh, he had had enemies and he had people that had surrounded him and hunted for his life and wanted to kill him and wanted to destroy him and wanted to tear him down. David already knew what that was like. And David's looking back through his memory banks and he's realizing every single time that I've been in this place, he's looking around and saying, man, this overwhelmed place, this is a familiar place. I've been here before. 
Let me tell you what happened last time I was here. God was a shelter for me. God was a covering for me. God took care of me. He kept me safe from all of my enemies. And if God did it back then, I know He can do it again. If God did it before, I know He can do it some more. God never changes. He's the same. And if He helped you before, I know He can do it again. You see, when we we get in these places, I, I don't know how you are, but when I get in some overwhelmed times in my life, my memory just seems to get real short. Anybody else like that? I just gets real short. I forget about all the umpteen zillion times that I've been in trouble and God has come through for me. I'm going to tell you something. If He came through last time and if He came through the time before that and the time before that and the time before that, what makes you think that this time is any different? Amen. God can move. God can shelter you. God can cover you from your enemies. And He knew where to go when it started to rain. He knew where to go when the enemy started to chase Him. He knew God was His refuge and was His shelter and was His strong tower. Amen. So remember who covers you. Remember who takes care of you. Remember who's done it time and time and time again. We've seen that song that says, The past is a promise. I'll have all that I need. How do I know God's going to take care of me in the future? Well, He's already taken care of me in the past. Man, he's got a great track record. Amen. I love that song they sing about God's been good in my life. And one of them verses start out with saying, Lately I've been looking back along the winding road. There's old familiar markers. And every time God helps you, man, set up a marker, set up a mile marker, set up a stone, set up an Ebenezer right there and just remember that God has helped you in the past because when you are faced with something in the present, you're going to need something to go back and look at. Say, hey, look, man, he did it right there. Don't lose your mind. It ain't time to quit. It ain't ain't time to lose your mind. It's not time to get discouraged. It's time to look back and realize. And if you ain't got, and if if there's no help right now in the immediate, if you don't have anything, so to speak, to thank God for in the immediate right now, why don't you just spend some time looking back? Because you probably hadn't thanked Him enough for all those times He helped you in the past. Just go back. Amen. And while, while, while you're waiting on Him to do something now, just praise Him for what He did back then. And I promise you, before you get done, <laughs> he'll do something in this situation. Because you won't ever get done. Amen. Thank him. Can't praise him enough for all that he's done. Remember, what he do? What did David do? Well, he recognized his condition. He remembered his covering. He remembered that God was his covering in the past. All right, number three. We're moving on good. Number three, I like this one. He renewed his convictions. He renewed his convictions. And I love these. You'll find these uh, in, in, in a lot of Psalms. Especially you'll find this little phrase. I'm going to show it to you here. Verse, verse 4. You're gonna, you'll find this phrase in a lot of Psalms that, uh, uh, that deal with David's uh, uh, when he's struggling, when he's having a hard time, when people are attacking him or when situations and circumstances are not the great. Here's what he said. Look at verse number 4. He said... I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah, meditation. Pause. Think about it. All right, here it is. Here's a little phrase. It's two times in verse 4. It's the phrase, I will. I know you've seen it. I will. What are those? Those are convictions. Those are bedrock convictions that he had. He said, I will. 
Those are things that David said, I am going to do this. I will do this right here. And, and, and I love, when I'm reading through the Psalms, I try to read five Psalms every day, read through the Psalms once a month. Uh, I look for those I will statements. Those are statements of conviction. Those are statements where at one time David made up his mind, no matter what the circumstances are, what the situation is, what is going on around him, how crazy the world is, what everybody else is doing, he made up his mind. He said, I will. I will. Those are statements of conviction. I will do this no matter what is going on around me. Now, here he said, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. You know what he said? He said, I'm going to worship you forever. I'm going to be faithful in, in worship forever. He said, I will trust in the covert of thy wings. He said, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to love you no matter what. David was saying, no, he's not going to let the circumstances, he's not going to let these overwhelming situations drive him away from the presence of God. And I love this because if this was written when he was being driven out of Jerusalem, he's been driven away from the tabernacle. He was being driven away from the holy place. He was being driven away from the place of worship. And you know what David said? He said, it don't matter where I am. It don't matter where I go. He said, I will abide in your presence. I'm going to stay close to you and I will always trust you even if I can't get to a physical location. He said, I will always be here to worship you. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to throw in the towel. He said, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to lose trust in God. And you know what, David? It's amazing how David, why David put this in his psalm. Why, why would David want to write this in this psalm here? I know it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. I understand that. But, but from a human standpoint, why would David put this? It's because it's in those times of overwhelmedness. I keep wanting to use that word. I'm sorry. It's, it's a word now. I've already used it twice. It's in. It's in those times that you have to renew those convictions. You've got to remind yourself of the... Because listen, here's the thing. But you, you, you can't wait for the hard times to then put some convictions down. You've got to put those convictions down before you ever come into the storm. Before you ever come into the trial, before you ever walk through the valley, you already got to make up your mind. This is where I stand and I will not move. All the earth will crumble before I'll move on this conviction right here. Amen. And that way when the earth does, you've already made up your mind. The decision was already made beforehand. How David, David did, listen, you think David knew what was going to happen? You think David holding little Absalom, if, if that was a situation? You think David knew holding little Absalom in his arms? He's born, you thinking, oh, you know, one day he's going to grow up and he's going to kick me out of my own kingdom. You think David knew that? No, he didn't. David didn't know. I don't even know. I don't even know if David knew until it, it happened. I don't even know if David saw it happening, even though it, it was a process of Absalom doing that. I don't know if David even saw the process. And from David's point of view, whether this is right or wrong, but from David's perspective, it might have just been something that come up just like that. Maybe he should have known. Maybe he should have paid more attention. I don't know. But maybe he, maybe he, maybe just something that come up just like that. But you know what David had in place? He already had his emergency response plan in place. It was already made up. It was already made up. He didn't have to think, all right, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? I'm rethinking everything I've ever believed about God. If, if God was really good, why would He allow this to happen? Why would He allow these circumstances? Why would He allow these situations? Don't, doesn't God know I've abided in His tabernacle? So you've got you to see this. you got to see this. 
David didn't say, God, I've abided in your tabernacle. Why are you letting this happen? God, I've trusted in the covert of thy wings. I've trusted in you. Why are you allowing this to happen? You see, let me show you something. David's faith, David's convictions were not... Let me put it this way. David's faith was not rooted in his convictions. David's faith was in God. See, there's a difference. Let me help you with this real quick. I mean, it's just us, all right? Let's take a second. Let me help you with this. You ready? Uh, those, the people, and, and we are, we all, we're all tempted to do this, but we've all seen this, Pastor and I, I've seen this. People went, and I've seen people that they have strong convictions. They're going to be faithful to church, and they're going to they're live a certain way, live clean and live right and pure and holy and honor God with their lives and all these things. And this is what we're going to do. Bless God, here I stand. I will never stand anywhere else. And, here, that's where they stand. and then the trouble comes. The whole world is turned upside down. There's death. There's sickness. There's betrayal. There's, there's broken relationships amongst people they loved in the church and all kind of stuff like that. It all comes and it all up, uh, 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 upside downs their world. It upheaves everything, right? And then they throw it all away. They say, I'm done with church. I'm done with trying to live right. I'm done with trying to honor God. I'm done with trying to live pure. Because their world turned upside down. And here's what's been exposed right here, that their faith was not in God. Their faith was in their convictions. See, here's what they thought. And, and, then I, and, and I'm tempted to think the same way. Many, many times I, I have to constantly remind myself that it's not the way this works. But here's, here's what happens. See, a lot of times people think, well, if I have these convictions in my life, that immune, I'm, I'm immunized. Right? I mean, I know. Well, anyway, I don't want to get off on immunization. <laughs> sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. That's all I was going to say. All right? Leave me alone. You think, man, I'm inoculated. I, I'm immunized. Listen, I got, listen, circle, circle, dot, dot. All right. I got my cootie shot. Okay. I can't get anything now. Listen, I, listen, I, I go to church every Sunday. I'm a Sunday school teacher. I, 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 I don't go here and I don't wear that and I don't watch this and I don't. And so, therefore, God must have to bless me and not let anything happen to me. Your, your faith is in your convictions. That's not the way that thing works. Put your faith in God. Your faith shouldn't be in a plan. Your faith shouldn't be in a program. Your faith ought to be in a person. And that person is God. And trust Him. The reason you ought to have convictions and have all these things is because you love Him and you want to be close to Him. And when you trust in Him, then those convictions will help you instead of confuse you. Amen. See, there's a lot of people, they're trusting in those. They think because they got these things, oh, man, I'm inoculated. Oh, nothing happened to me. I don't have a TV. <laughs> oh, nothing happened to me. Listen, oh, man, bad things. My kids, they're going to turn out right. We don't go to the movies or whatever, you know, fill in the blank. God, help us. Your convictions don't immunize you from, from being overwhelmed. David was a man who had settled in his heart to serve God. David went through a lot of suffering and a lot of betrayal. He knew it time and time again. Absalom wasn't the only one. If this wasn't about Absalom, it's about something else. Amen. It's about something else. And that's where he says, look at, look at the next verse, verse 5. He, he said, he, he does renew his convictions. He said, look, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do right. I will abide. I'm going to stay faithful no matter what. 
But ultimately, he said, for that. There's a for. There's a causative statement. Why will he abide? Why will he trust? Why does David say, I'm not going to change? Here's why David wouldn't change. Because God... That's what he said, verse 5. For thou, O God, I will not change everything I believed because, God, you have not changed. And listen, it is good. Everybody look up here just real quick. You need to know this. When your situation changes and your circumstances change, you need to know God hasn't changed. God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, Malachi 3, I am the Lord God. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Amen. He doesn't change. God doesn't change. Situations change. People change. God doesn't change. And that's why your convictions, they got to be rooted in, in the character of God, who God is. And he begins to rehearse to himself who God is. Verse 5, I was heard my vows. He said, you're a God that hears prayers. That's the character of God. He hears prayers. Now, it's given me the heritage of those that Fear thy name. God, you are the one who has blessed me to be a part of the people of God. You have given me a heritage. God, and he began, verse 6 and 7, that will prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. You know what that is? That is rehearsing the promise, the covenant of God that God had made with David that he was going to establish his throne forever and establish his house forever, which is ultimately fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's rehearsing those promises. God, you are a promise-keeping God. That's what he's saying in verse 6. Verse 7, He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve Him. You are going to preserve your promises in every single situation. This is real simple, isn't it? It's simple preaching. And that is this. When you're overwhelmed, renew your convictions about what you believe and what you're, where you're going to stand, but make sure ultimately that they are rooted and grounded in your bedrock Bible conviction of who God is. Who God? Listen, when you're going through the storm, it's not time to review your convictions. It's time to renew your conviction. Amen. You start going through things and you will be tempted. I know this. I know this personally. You start, man, your whole world gets turned upside down and you'll start thinking, you'll start trying to, you'll be tempted to rethink everything you've ever believed. Is the Bible true? Is church right? Is, is this right? Is this whole thing? Is it right? Am I wasting my time? Am I, what am I doing? You'll be tempted to do that. But if your convictions are, I mean, securely founded and secured and anchored in who God is and His character, then you can survive the dark. Amen. Don't doubt in the dark what God has showed you in the light. Amen. Number four. Number four. I'm, I'm hurrying. I'm not about done here. Uh, let's see. Let's review here. He recognized his condition. He remembered his covering. He renewed his convictions. Number four. He revived his commitment. Verse eight. He said, so will I sing praise. There's another. It's not an I will, but it's a will I. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Listen, when you're overwhelmed, one of the last things that you want to do and one of the things that you're most tempted to do is quit, right? One of the last things you want to do is continue. You're tempted most to quit. And yet, here's David. This is amazing. David's at an overwhelming time in his life. And what does he say in verse 8? He said, I'm going to daily perform my vows. He said, I am going to stay committed. 
I am going to stay faithful. And I love how he did it. How did David renew his vows? How did he, how did he renew this commitment? It's with singing, right? And with praise. I'll tell you what, I know we get, we get made fun of and we get mocked and ridiculed by some of this dignified crowd. Well, they just like to shout a bunch of emotionalism and stuff. But I'm going to tell you what's kept me going in a lot of times. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you what's kept me going. It's been praise. It's been worship. It's been getting in a service. It's been getting in a closet. It's been getting along with God. And God do a work in my heart. And He revived me. The joy of the Lord is our strength, right? It keeps you going. You can't continue something when it's joyless and when there's no worship and praise. And He revived His commitment to God. How? With praise. Worship is what kept David going while he was overwhelmed. That's what will keep you going. And it's what keeps me. So will I sing thy praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. There's a connection between praise and faithfulness. You quit worshiping God, you're going to quit being faithful, I promise you. If you can make that commitment, if you can revive that commitment, renew that commitment to keep worshiping God even on the bad times. Hey, man, you can, you can stay faithful to this thing. Let me show you one other thing I saw. You say, well, we're out of verses here. Yeah, we're out of verses. But I want to show you one other thing I saw here. <laughs> and I'm done. I'm done. Miss Julie, why don't you come around the piano? I want to get you singing. Can you sing a little bit of that? Thing? I want to thank you for the storm. Is that all right? I think that would be a good song to sing here. But I got one more. I got one. Number five, he revealed his conflict. Let me, let me, let me show you what I mean. Now, this is a psalm about a particular experience of hardship in David's life. We don't know exactly because it doesn't say. Look at the little heading. Now I'm going to preach out of the little letters, okay, at the top. Look at the, look at the little heading right there. Do you see that? It doesn't tell us what was going on. Sometimes we know the situation. I'm not going to go to all of them, but just, just flip back to Psalm 51 just for a minute. Look at Psalm 51. You see it, that little heading is a little bigger. You see that? You got that in your Bible above verse 1? And it says there's a win. So when did, what, what inspired David to write Psalm 51? Well, it's when Nathan the prophet came unto him after, that, after he had gone into Bathsheba. So that's what inspired 51. Look at verse 52. Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, Psalm 52. When Doeg the Edomite came and told Saul and said unto him, David has come to the house of Elimelech. See that? Look at Psalm 54. Um, there it is, you see it? When the Ziphims came and said to Saul, doth not David hide himself with him? Okay, and so you can look at Psalm 56 and 57 and 59. You'll find all the same things. So sometimes, sometimes the, 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 there, there's, a, there's context for us there. We know what David was going through when he wrote that psalm. Sometimes we don't. We, we don't know. Like our psalm that we're looking at this morning, it just says to the chief musician upon Neganah, a psalm of David. That's all we know. So we know who it was given to. We know the writer. It was for the, that neganah, whatever that means, stringed instruments. We know it was to be played upon the stringed instruments. But we don't know the situation. But we know we can read the solution. We can read how God worked in David's life, a solution. But we don't, know the, we don't know the situation. But how, how do we know what was going on in David's heart during this time, even though we don't know what was going on in David's life? During this time, well, it's because this psalm, our psalm, Psalm 61, as well as 55 other psalms, 55, you can count them. The Bible says that they were to the chief musician. 
You ever notice that? I never thought about that until just, just like yesterday. I was thinking, I added this point to the message yesterday. I thought, uh, to the chief musician, that's amazing. So what that means is David wrote this psalm and then he took it and he gave it to the musician, somebody that was playing the string instruments. And he said, hey, I want you to, I want you to sing this. I want, you, I, want you to, I want you to use this in our public worship services. I, I want you to take this and I want, you to, I want you to use it. 55 Psalms. It means David took what he was going through and he gave it to somebody else so that multitudes of people could get a blessing out of where he had been. Now, have you ever been in a service and they sing a song and you think, man, that was for me. And that song was for me. I wonder what it was like for David to sit in a service and then sing one of his songs and he thought, man, that song's about me. You know what's amazing? Psalm 51 was one of those psalms that was to the chief musician. You know what Psalm 51's about? It's when he committed adultery and he had to confess and get right with God. And yet, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to write something, you know, kind of about getting right with God and all this stuff that I had done and all these things, that might be something in my private diary. What about you? I don't have a diary, by the way, but if I did, it would be something in there. (laughs) But no, God said, hey, you're going to take that. (laughs) He writes this whole thing about getting right with God, and he takes that and he says, "Uh, here, maybe y'all can sing you sometime. (laughs) Can you imagine sitting in church? <laughs> and I know they at church like we do necessarily, but can you imagine being in a public worship setting and they're singing, everybody knows what that song's about and you're sitting there and they're singing Psalm 51. And that's personal, isn't it? But how many people has that psalm helped? That psalm helped. I, I know it's helped me. Has Psalm 51 ever helped you get clean with God? Has it ever helped you get right with God? You ever come to Psalm 51 and you think, man, that's me. Man, I need to thoroughly get right. I need, I need cleansing. I need confession. I need, I need restoration. I need those things. Well, it's the same way with this one. David penned this psalm. He says, man, I was overwhelmed. Uh, and it doesn't even say that this Psalm 61 doesn't have a resolution to the problem. There's no resolution in Psalm 61. It doesn't say, some psalms do. It talks about how he went through the problem and then God fixed it. There's no, there's no, res, there's no solving of David's problem in Psalm 61. If it's about Absalom and we get to the end of Psalm 61, Absalom's still on the throne. David's still kicked out of Jerusalem. All these things are still going on. But yet, he takes what he was going through and what was going on in his life and he passes it along to somebody else. He said, man, I want you to sing this. I want it to be used in our worship services because God helped me during this time. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't like being overwhelmed. I don't like it. I don't like trouble. I hate it. I, I really do. I know you all hate trouble, but I really hate trouble. Like worse than anybody in here, I promise you. I don't like it. I don't like the fact that, you know, there's people missing. I wanted to have a great, great day today. I mean, just great Lord's Day. I'm not saying we're not having one, but, you know, it's just not everything that I thought it would be put it together in my mind. I, you know, and things, and things don't turn out and, 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 and all kind of stuff. I, I get overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed, no doubt about it. I'll tell you what we're going through right now. You listen to me. What we're going through right now is something that God is going to take and He's going to use it as a witness for other people. He's going to use it as a witness for future generations. 
And can you imagine our kids, our grandkids, they're going to look back at these days and say, man, those were tough days. And can you imagine, man, our, our, our preacher, our, our, our church, they stayed faithful during the pandemic. Man, our church, they, they kept the doors open during the pandemic. They did all these things. I don't like it right now. I don't like it right now. But I know we're just going to stay faithful at it. We're going to keep continuing because one day we're going to write it all down and we're going to take this song and we're going to pass it off to another generation. And they're going to sing about it. Amen. I don't like being overwhelmed. I feel a little overwhelmed this morning. Maybe that's why this was on my heart. I don't know. I feel just a little bit overwhelmed. Maybe you do too. Maybe it has nothing to do with anything. Maybe it has something to do with totally something different that's not related to all the things I'm thinking about. But it's real in your life. Can I tell you something? Take your problem. Turn it into praise. Let it be a witness to somebody. Now, if you quit, if you give up, if you faint, there'll be no song to pass on. There'll be nothing for another generation to sing about. We got to stay at it, don't we? Got to stay faithful. He revealed his con- he, he let it be open. He let people know. He let other people in into his own experiences so that he might be a blessing and a help to them. Everybody has problems. Nobody's immune. Nobody's exempt. Why don't you take them and be a blessing and a help to somebody else? Let's stand together all over the building. Thank you, Miss Julie, for singing this. I love this song. When you're going through hard times and storms and troubles, man, there's something to thank God for. There's something to give Him praise for. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but maybe we ought to look at David's example. And maybe we ought to pray this. God, help me stay faithful even when I'm overwhelmed. Even when I'm overwhelmed, God, help me stay faithful. Thank you, God, in advance for helping me. Amen. Miss Julie, you go ahead.